we read from Romans 12 just a moment ago. Be changed by the renewing of our minds. The Holy Spirit, you, you had the Apostle Paul when he wrote those words. You had him start out with the reality that we have got to die to ourselves. Become a living sacrifice. Sacrifices die. As long as we're trying to do it ourselves, as long as we're trying to change our own hearts, our own lives, whatever it is that needs to be changed, and we know what those are, those things are, as long as we try to do it, it'll only be a surface fix. It'll only be a band-aid. But when we die to ourselves and our own ability to do really anything of substance, then and only then can you begin to do what only you can do. <laughs> so Holy Spirit, we want to give you freedom today. We implore you. I implore you. Change me. The very depths of my heart. Moment by moment, day by day. Oh God, thank you for caring so much about that. About me. About each one of us here. Thank you, Jesus. Father, as we've started the new year, there we've kind of been a mix of all kinds of emotions. But we're thinking this morning, especially about Kathy uh, Lisk. Last Lisk. Name, Lisk. Lisk. Kathy Lisk's son, Greg. And Greg's kidneys shut down and nobody knows why they're trying to figure that out even as he is with specialists today and down in the Gilbert Chandler area we're asking father that you would intervene that you would give those who are attending those who are diagnosing would you make them very aware that they're not alone and that you are enabling them to discover things that otherwise they would not be able to discover Take them to the root cause, and we pray that that root issue will be fixable uh, with human technology. If not, then we're asking, Holy Spirit, that you would touch Greg with a divine touch and do what only you can do then in healing his body. Be with Kathy and, and uh, Clint. I'm sure this is distressing to say the least. Nothing hurts for a parent like when our kids are hurting. So be with Kathy and give her your peace, that peace that passes all comprehension. Be with Clint as he, as he ministers his presence and his comfort to his wife and to his stepson. Lord, hover over that and superintend everything that's going on there and bring healing, complete healing in Jesus' name. I know that there are many of us, even here this morning, who are struggling with colds and flu, those things that come seem to come around every year. Lord, it would be my prayer first that they will those issues will not develop into something much more serious, but even more important than that. Would you, Father, as we're hurting and we're frustrated and we realize that our bodies are fallible? <laughs> Uh, would you, in those moments, draw our hearts to you in total dependence and in 
and in gratitude for the overall health that we enjoy. You're an amazing God. We love you, and we are here today because we want you to know that we recognize you as God. We're not God. You are. And we worship you as such. It's in the name of Jesus that we live and breathe, that we rejoice, that we live our lives. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all God's children say, yes. Amen. Amen. God Amen. bless you. you. can be seated. Amen. Yeah, you can imagine what uh, Clint and Kathy have been through these last couple of days. They tried to contact Greg and could not raise him on the phone and uh, uh, ultimately had to go down and his door was locked and thankfully they had a key and uh, uh, the, actually the police had to come and help. They invited the police there. The police went in first not knowing what they would find and Greg was on the floor and uh, they didn't know of course what the cause was at that point. Uh, you can imagine all of the possibilities for that, uh, but uh, apparently the issue is his kidneys have shut down, and uh, without knowing the cause of that, uh, we all know how important our kidneys are. So uh, continue to pray, okay? And we will keep you uh, updated as much as possible, all right? Uh, I don't see Pastor Laura here. There is a, uh, an announcement about the upcoming ladies' Bible study. And uh, I encourage you ladies to take advantage of this uh, and uh, put it in your calendar. Uh, Connie shared, is this the guy you're talking about? No, this is the one. Oh, okay. <laughs> but this is the one here. Okay, very good. Well, going to be an outstanding study. And uh, ladies, hopefully you can be a part of that. Happy New Year, Christmas tree. <laughs> that thing needs to go somewhere. <laughs> oh, it's too early. <laughs> okay. Not. Okay. Uh, it needs to go somewhere, and we do have a place to put it, but we need hands to do that. So Tuesday at 10 a.m., all right, if you're available, I'll be here and I'll have my pickup. Apparently, we put the tree almost as a whole in the bed of the pickup and ride it down to the storage shed. I really want to see that, okay? Uh, so uh, if you can be here at 10 o'clock uh, Tuesday, uh, that would be great. And we'll uh, take all of the stuff down and uh, get it back to where it should be so we can enjoy it next year. What's that? Yeah, I, I, am I cutting in and out? Do we have any idea why? Okay. You're on. Is your battery I'm on now. Was this a new battery, Carolyn? All of you. She's not answering. What's that? She's not answering. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, if it continues to fade out, I'll get something up here, because I want you to hear me. Today, we're going to uh, jump back into this issue of holiness for ordinary people. People 
just like you and, and me. Uh, a few weeks ago, before the holidays, we uh, got into this topic, and uh, uh, I, I want to remind us a little bit of, of why we're doing this, and then go into uh, a couple of issues today that I think will be, will be very helpful. We want to understand this issue of holiness better because it seems to scare us Christians. It's one of those words that when somebody says, and especially when we read in different portions throughout Scripture, that we are to be holy as God is holy, we go, hold on. And uh, because we know how incapable we are of that on our own. So we want to understand this issue of holiness a bit better uh, so that uh, we, can, we can put ourselves all the way into it and let God do what he wants to do in us. We started asking some questions. Let me just uh, uh, remind you of three of those to get our brains back on this track. First of all, what is holiness? Well, it's actually quite simple. Uh, it doesn't mean it's easy. And it's not something that we can accomplish on our own, but it is simple. Scripture describes it as loving God with all of our heart, mind, soul, strength, and our neighbor as ourselves. Uh, healthy relationships uh, between me and God and those around me. Healthy, selfless relationships. That's what holiness is. Uh, another question, isn't holiness just uh, a goal for Christians to pursue, but one we can't actually experience until heaven? Well, holiness is a goal, but it is... Uh, it is an attainable goal, at least in, in, in motive and in desire. Again, the condition of the heart. It seems to be the theme of the morning. Uh, Joe, thank you for your song selection this morning. It's really help, helping us to hone in on this, to focus in on it. The third question, how do I become holy? Well, stay tuned, all right? We're going to we're going to do some step-by-step -step stuff. Not that it's a simple formula, but I do want to put it in understandable terminology to where, again, it doesn't scare us. It's the things that we understand least scare us most. And so we, we want to understand this issue that God commands of us uh, so that we can begin to experience it if we're not already living in that lifestyle. Today, before we get into the how-tos, uh, we need to understand a couple of technical definitions. And uh, these are technical definitions, but I don't think they'll bore you. They're, they're very, very practical, very necessary. The, the bottom line question is, what is sin? Now, if I opened up and asked you all that this morning, or probably in your mind right now you're thinking, well, that's pretty easy. I mean, well, duh, everybody knows what sin is. Well, sort of, we do. But let's, let's, let's look what the Bible says about sin, okay? Um, but think along with me. Use your brain here, okay? Engage. If we are to be holy, 
because God is holy. That's what 1 Peter 1.16 says. If we are to be holy because God is holy, and if holiness has anything to do with sin or the lack thereof, if God is by definition sinless, does that mean we are to be sinless? We probably ought to know what sin is, shouldn't we? We better know what sin is in Scripture. There are two scriptural perspectives on sin. I'm sure you've heard both of them, but one of them probably more than the other. There is a broad perspective, a general perspective on sin, Old Testament, New Testament, and there is a strict or focused uh, understanding of sin. Let's look at the, the, the broad perspective. Generally speaking, sin is, the word used for sin in the New Testament, this is a Greek word, but it's virtually the same word as uh, is used in the Hebrew, the Old Testament. Generally speaking, sin is hamartia, that's the word, and it literally means to miss the mark. It's an archery term, and it means basically hitting the bullseye with the arrow. Anything outside of the bullseye is hamartia. Now let me, uh, let me take you on a little trip, all right? Our second son, uh, Dusty, is a pastor down in Tucson. Uh, and Dusty and, and our oldest son, Dan, and I had the privilege for many years of being part of men's retreats down in, in southern Arizona. And uh, as part of the, the recreational thing at those retreats, most often we'd take our, our guns, our weapons. I'm freaking out here. Let me get a... Yeah, but it bugs me. I'm going to turn this off, okay? Okay. Can you hear me now? There we go. All right, now, doggone it, this is a bummer. Uh, come on, bring catch up. Recreational at the retreat. Thank you. Thank you. We would uh, take our weapons with us. There was a firing range, and we would take our, our guns. There was also an archery range, and so we would take our bows. My oldest son, Dan, is a mechanical engineer, and as part of his uh, senior project, he worked with PSE. PSE is one of the internationally best bow Whoa, he's PSE is one of the uh, premier bow makers in all the world, and, and Dan did a senior project with them and later worked for a year or two after that with them after his project was completed, and they gave him the privilege of building bows, custom bows, 
for himself, for me, and for Dustin. And so we have custom PSE bows, awesome. Nothing, they're one of a kind, nothing else like them on the planet. We would uh, practice with our bows at this uh, men's retreat. I believe it was the very last one that we did. We were down at the archery range and uh, Dusty's up and he shoots and uh, another one of us shoot and the other one and then Dusty shoots again and we can't see his second arrow. Pictures, please. Please, pictures, please. <laughs> 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 please with sugar on it. <coughs> What's that? There it is. Okay. This is, uh, this is Dusty. <laughs> I, I figured out I probably need to give you a big picture of him so you have an idea of the world I'm talking about. But this is Dusty. This is an arrow. This is the end of this arrow. And this right here is another arrow. The reason we couldn't see the second arrow was because of what's called a Robin Hood. Go to the next shop. This is the second shot arrow. It was such a perfect shot that it right here is the is the end of this this arrow here. And right here is generally a, a, a plastic knock, it's called. That's what hooks over the the string of the bow. This arrow hit that knock so perfectly, it split it and knocked it off and entered perfectly into the rest of the arrow. Wow. Show us the next uh, slide, please. Okay, there you see, that's the second arrow's head. This is the, uh, or tail, that's the knock and the, and the fletches up there. Okay, next one. This is, a, this is how it went about 10 inches. Uh, penetrated down into the the first arrow. That's called uh, a Robin Hood. Do you remember Robin Hood? Okay, well, do you remember the the show Mythbusters? Did you you never saw a TV show? No. Who did? Okay. Uh, well, they were they would try and scientifically prove or disprove uh, f different phenomena. And uh, they tried to, they uh, decided to disprove that uh, Robin Hoods were possible. <laughs> and uh, uh, of course, they concluded that they were not, but the reason they, they concluded that was because they were using wooden arrows, like Robin Hood would have used. So with a wooden arrow, not gonna have it. But with a hollow uh, aluminum or uh, composite arrow, it is definitely possible. Dusty was tempted to send this to Mythbusters, but he knew he'd never get it back. So he's got it right there. Yeah, it is, this, is, this is a pride thing. Okay, getting back to sin. Hamartia literally means that you, in your behavior, shoot a Robin Hood every time. Absolute perfection. Is that possible for God? Of course it is. Is it possible for you and me? No. 
Dusty could have been shooting arrows from then. That was probably 15, 20 years ago until today. And he never would have, it wouldn't happen. Okay? Is hamartia or the perfect shot, never missing the bullseye, is that what God requires of us? No, no. no it's not. But there are, I don't know if you've ever heard the, uh, the phrase, I've heard pastors say it. I will sin in thought, word, and deed every day of my life. Well, if you're talking hamartia, then yeah, you're right. Because none of us will ever be able to shoot a Robin Hood every time we say or do something. Okay? Well, all right. Let's, let's, we, we need to keep going then because either God is requiring something of us that is impossible or uh, we, we need a further understanding of sin. Scripture gives us that. All right? Now let's go to the more focused scriptural perspective on sin, the strictly speaking part of sin. This, strictly speaking, sin is a willful violation of a known law. In other words, there's intent. James says it this way, James chapter 4, verse 17. Remember, James is the half-brother of Jesus. He says, remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. Okay? This is the kind of sin that holiness addresses. <coughs> holiness will not make us not human. <clears throat> holiness will not make us shoot a Robin Hood every time. What holiness, what the Holy Spirit wants to do in us regarding sin it is transform the intent and free us from the intentional part of sin. Think about Genesis 3. Think about the, the scriptural account of the first sin. Who were the first sinners? Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve. Uh, what they chose, what, what they did, was that intentional or not? Yes. It was intentional, wasn't it? Satan tricked them, told them that surely God didn't mean you can't have any of this. He just knows that if you eat this, you're going to start to understand things you've never understood before. He doesn't want you to be like himself. They fell for it. It was very intentional on their part. Just because they were tricked by Satan, God didn't let them off the hook. No. The whole system broke at that point. And it be, when, when willful rebellion, sin, very focused sin, entered the picture, Adam and Eve's relationship with God broke, and their relationship with each other began to break. 
In fact, the whole cosmos began to break. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 8 that all of creation has been groaning, waiting for God's answer. Ever since that first intentional, voluntary violation of a known law happened. This is the kind of sin, intentional sin. I know what you want me to do, God. I'm not ready for that, though. Sounds a little bit too radical for me. A little bit too religiously fanatic. Uh, ain't going there. Maybe when I get too old to have any more fun. <laughs> then I'll do, you know. By the way, do you ever get too old to have fun? No. <laughs> now we should know, shouldn't we? <laughs> Is it possible for us to get to, to get to the point in our lives where we don't intentionally rebel against God. Yes, it is. That's what holiness is all about. But only with God's help. It requires a change of heart. It requires a change of desires on our part. He has to enable us to want something different. It requires that we start to want what God wants. And that's what sanctification or becoming holy is all about. This is not something that we can do for ourselves. Only God can accomplish this, this transformation in us. So how do we do that? Well, stay tuned. We'll get there, all right? But I want to share one other, maybe this is a true confessions moment. But uh, there appears to be to be a logical gap between the hamartia, missing perfection, and voluntary willful disobedience. There seems to be a lot of other things that fall in, in, in the middle somewhere. What about if you uh, had kids of your own? They were two or three years old. You were gathered around the dinner table, uh, and uh, little Johnny uh, said, uh, I, I want more of that, and he reached over for it and knocked his glass of milk over. What kind of sin is that? Is that hamartia or voluntary transgression? There's no intent about it. It's an evidence that we're, that even that kid's not perfect. But there's something more. Let, let me let me tell you another story. Because see, John Wesley struggled with this. One of the reasons that I am Wesley is because of some of the the I believe the the realities that the Holy Spirit enabled Wesley to see clearly that up to that point really had not been seen, and he's passed it on to us. Romans 8, 26, the Apostle Paul says that the Holy Spirit desires to, quote, help us 
with our infirmities. Uh, that's King James language, okay? You get the newer translations, and it says that the Holy Spirit desires to help us with our weaknesses. Wesley delved into this thing of infirmity or weakness as basically part of the human condition. A kid, when, when he reaches for more potatoes and knocks over a glass of milk, it's an issue of immature muscles, of, of not thinking and anticipating, you know, hopefully they grow out of that, okay? Now, if every time he reaches for the potatoes, he knocks over the, the, glass, of, the glass of milk. And my house got a spanking, okay? <laughs> Today I'd be in jail for that maybe, but I'd still go. Still do it. But, because that's not intentional, it's just, it's a human weakness, okay? Now let me, let me share with you a story and I'm gonna to have to ask you ladies to control yourselves, okay? <laughs> Last time I told this story, and this is a, not a, a myth, it is an actual happening. Uh, some of the ladies in the congregation literally threw their shoes at me. Ouch. <laughs> of course, my wife was the instigator of it. But yeah. Okay, the year was 2012. In June of 2012, early June, uh, I went in for a normal physical checkup at the VA down in Tucson, and uh, a young intern found that uh, I had a problem. And within, uh, they, I, I didn't even get to go home. They kept me at the hospital, and they removed one of my testicles because of cancer. So I've had the big C. Shakes your world. Uh, kind of was doing pretty good in my physical recovery from that. And, uh, uh, but, but that was an incredibly busy summer as our summers usually were. And uh, our anniversary is on the 19th of, of June. And in fact, I was in the hospital on that day, so we didn't get to celebrate our anniversary, and uh, we hadn't had a vacation, and uh, it went right on through the summer like that, and I was worn out. We finally get to uh, the end of September, and uh, Connie and I feel like, okay, we can get away for a little while. So we went to San Diego, and uh, we sat down at a restaurant on San Diego Bay and we had just ordered our food and I get a cell phone call. And uh, it's from our oldest son. And he says, Dad, Drew, that's his second son, uh, Drew's just been diagnosed with a tumor in his brain the size of a lemon. <sighs> uh, Obviously, we went home. And uh, the next several weeks were consumed with uh, two radical brain surgeries, 
and the beginning of uh, radical therapy. Okay. It was about a week and a half, two weeks after all of that melee, and uh, Connie and I decided we really need to get it right. And we love the D-backs, simply because they play baseball, okay? <laughs> you gotta understand. <laughs> Wherever I am, if they've got a baseball team, I love them, all right? So we generally go to the backs uh, two or three times a year. Got tickets, went on up, got there uh, Friday afternoon, went to the game Friday night and Saturday morning, took it easy getting up. And Connie's a shopper, and uh, so we went shopping in the morning. And uh, we're headed home about 2.30, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And all of a sudden, uh, I remember, I was supposed to do a wedding today. <laughs> this is what the shoes were for. <laughs> I was supposed to be doing a wedding at 2 o'clock on the east side of Tucson. It, it was, I believe, it, well, it was about 2 or 2.30 when I remember it. And we were an hour away. Well, two hours away from the site of the wedding. There was no way. You have got to be kidding me. Well, you can imagine, thankfully, uh, I, I don't want to leave it there because the Lord had his plan, okay? Uh, th this was a gal that uh, had only been to the church for three or four times and uh, uh, had wanted to get married and I had never met the groom, he was from Texas. She asked me to do the wedding in a beautiful park on the east side of Tucson and I was happy to do it. The only reason she wanted me to do it was because her grandmother, who was an ordained minister, uh, was too old to stand for the ceremony, so she asked me to do the ceremony. And so, sure, no problem. There was no rehearsal. Now, I'm not trying to justify my, <laughs> my failure, but, you know, I have done literally hundreds of weddings, okay? And uh, usually you have a rehearsal, and that serves us, if nothing else, to remind you that there's a wedding the next day, okay? <laughs> Was it a D-backs game the night of the rehearsal? So anyway, the, uh, the grandmother was at the wedding <coughs> and she conducted the ceremony, signed the certificate. I got home and I'm desperately calling the bride, trying to get a hold of her. Their honeymoon was at a resort on the west side or east side of Tucson. Couldn't get a hold of them, left a message, and I am groveling at this point and uh, apologizing profusely. She got back to me several days later, and everything's cool, okay? Is that Hamartia? <laughs> <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.
Is it willful transgression of a known law? I mean, it's humiliating to tell this story. You think I would have done that on purpose? No. This fits into the category that Wesley saw, understood in Romans 8.26, that God desires to help us with our infirmities. This is a human weakness. It's called, every once in a while, your memory doesn't work. And that gets more frequent the older we get, doesn't it? That's not a, a willful transgression of a known law. It's not really, it is technically missing the mark. It's not perfect. But it's part of being a, a fallen, broken, limited human being. It's an infirmity. And significantly, Paul did not say that the Holy Spirit desires to forgive us of our infirmities. Very careful. His wording, he desires to help us with our infirmities. Okay? All right, there's some technical definitions. We'll build on those and use those as we work our way on through trying to understand this issue of what it really means to be holy. Okay? Father? Your patience with us is amazing. Whether it be a, a simple human weakness, infirmity, even if it's a willful transgression, you don't stop loving us. What an amazing God you are. <coughs> But you desire to bring a transformation inside of us so profound that even that potential for voluntary transgression diminishes to almost zero simply because we don't want to break our Heavenly Father's heart. Our ultimate desire is to please you. And so, when we're tempted to go against what we know you want us to do, we don't go there. But only you can enable that in us. We can't do that with a New Year's resolution, a turning over of a new leaf. Only the Holy Spirit can transform our desires to the point where we don't want to voluntarily do what we know you don't want us to do. Holy Spirit, thank you. Father, you're amazing. Jesus, thank you for dying to take the penalty for our sin. All of it. Mahamartia, the willful transgression, even the infirmity. Thank you, Jesus. <coughs> and now, we're going to, as a family, Father, we're going to remember what Jesus did for us on the cross. Speak to each one of us deeply now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.
We're going to celebrate communion. Would you come? This is uh, how we do it here. We don't pass the elements around the aisles. Uh, if you are able, I invite you to come. If it is your desire uh, to recognize that you are a child of God by faith in Jesus, I invite you to come. And participate.